Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. Today is a very special episode for me, as we are interviewing Kevin Breikman, a PwC director at the Treasury practice of Belgium. With PwC since 2011, Kevin has focused on supporting priority clients in managing large treasury transformation projects. These multi-year projects see him help clients define their target operating model for treasury and thereafter support its implementation. Kevin also leads the treasury audit service offering where he leads the review of some of the most complex treasury centers. I had the chance to work with Kevin and he's just fantastic. In the episode of today, expect to learn what does it actually mean to transform a treasury department, what is a best-in-class treasury department and how to achieve it, why corporates go through multi-years treasury transformation projects, what is a target operating model, what are the main challenges and impacts of a treasury transformation project, and much, much more. We are super excited to serve you this episode and we hope you will enjoy it and like us, learn a lot from Kevin. If that is the case, and when you think about how you discovered the podcast, somebody probably told you about it, you discovered it through the suggestions of your favorite podcast app or via the social media, this is the best way for us to spread the treasure world and it will mean the world for us if you share, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app or yeah, simply talk about it. Thank you very much in advance. With all that being said, please welcome Kevin Barakman. So welcome, Kevin, to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. Great to have you on. Can you please start by just introducing yourself and explain to us what you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, many thanks for, for having me. Very excited about this one. So my name is uh, Kevin Brakman. I am a director at PwC Belgium, uh, part of the corporate treasury advising team. Um, so what I do is together with the team, we basically advise corporate residents on various topics, our service offering can make mostly be split up in like four main service offerings, I would say. First of all, everything which has to do with treasury systems. We help our clients in both selecting and implementing various systems, being either treasury management systems, what they use for their day-to-day operations, payment systems, but also everything around cash flow forecasting or uh, trade finance. Then we have a second pillar, which is around more bank and liquidity management. Uh, where we again help corporates in defining what the best bank account structure for them is, what the best liquidity structure is, but also what the best bank for them is to serve to the region or country, both selecting that partner as helping with the implementation. Then we have a third pillar, which is around, I would say, financial risk management. So where we help corporates to first of all identify what their risks are. We mostly focused on foreign exchange risk, but we also have a few projects around interest rates and volatiles. And once we help them to identify what the risks are, we also help them to implement uh, basically the strategies to mitigate it. And the last one is everything around treasury transformation, um, which I think is the topic of today, so I'm not going to go to it too much yet. But that's a bit in a nutshell who I am and, and what we actually do here uh, with the team in Belgium. 
Awesome, Kevin. That sounds like a like a very complete offer you guys proposed. It did, um, and we would like to focus on treasury transformation. So, maybe to begin with, can you explain us uh, what do we mean by transforming a treasury department in the first place? Yeah, sure. What we mean with transforming a treasury department is when we basically have a holistic view on all the offerings, all the processes which are being done uh, within a certain treasury department, and we actually take a step back. So we look what is what they do today, what's working well, what's working less well. And we typically also do a benchmark on versus peer companies. And based on that, we basically typically identify some gaps. So we look at what they want to do, what they do today. Something is not happening like they want to do. And then we, we basically help them to define what we call a list of opportunities they should pursue. We typically also look at how much effort it would be with certain things in place, what the value is, and then we help them to, first of all, identify the quick wins, things which have high impact, low effort, but then versus the ones which are big effort, but also big return, those ones we help them to plan out over a potentially multi-year project. But it's really transforming. It's when we bring the multiple service offerings we have together. So it's typically as a system angle, as a process angle, as a people angle. That has also typically the banking. Okay, and this whole process will be in order to well benefit the company, right? The, the overall idea of treasury to, is to support the company through financial risk management, cash management, and all those aspects that uh, we've covered in the podcast. So it will be closing the gap between what could be done to support best the company, but what treasury does not do yet or does not do in an optimized manner, probably. Is that uh, correct? Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, I think what is important is, is the treasury department is indeed a supporting function. If you look at it in all companies, it's local one who is actually building the products or selling the products. It's there mm-hmm. to support the wider group and the businesses. Um, so that's typically where we also help our clients to either provide a certain support on a group level. What is it typically that they help with making sure cash is available for investments? either by centralizing the cash, we can get the support to the HQ entities or helping to go to the debt markets to raise additional funds whenever required. That's more on a group level and a business level. We then also want to make sure that the treasury is there to support the business in their day-to-day activities. What does that mean? Making sure that there's enough cash for their day-to-day needs so that they're getting payments, but also helping them to understand the risks they are facing due to their day-to-day operations. A lot of the people on the ground, they don't always uh, have the feeling with Treasury that, for example, for example, is uh, for an exchange. They don't fully understand always what the impact is of, for example, sending an invoice in a foreign currency, how that can impact the company. There, Treasury can play a big role. Uh, now, what we notice for a lot of our clients, they all want to play this role. They want to be the support for the group. They want to be the support for the business. But they are caught up in day-to-day operations, making less time available to really provide a value-add strategic support. And that's where we often come in and help them to, first of all, set up the processes, but also the systems to automate, let's say, a lot of the more manual day-to-day repetitive tasks so more time becomes available to really support their local entities, but also the group itself to run its day-to-day operations. Okay, and so how, or more, should I say, when does a company actually decide 
to transform its treasury department was the trigger because I can easily imagine that many companies out there have a suboptimal treasury structure that is operational, of course, but maybe not running at full speed or maximum capacity. What's the trigger for treasury transformations? There can be multiple triggers. Um, I would say the, one of the most common one is the when a new treasury arrives. So when there is a treasury function that has been built by a previous treasury, somebody new comes in, potentially at a different point of view. So that's typically a trigger for us to actually be called in, called in um, to to have that discussion to compare them to the peers. Also, what we see quite often is companies that grow very fast. For example, tech companies or all the kind of companies who grow very fast, the business grows, but the treasury function itself is not grown about a lot. Running a treasury for a small company versus a big company is completely different. Um, so there as well, they often help, ask for help to really build a function which is appropriate for uh, the company. And then the third one I would say is when they have grown mostly by acquisitions. Because then typically, and it's also you have a group of companies, I would say, one absolutely integrated, who all work in their own way. And that also typically biggest kind of a transformation project, basically built a common treasury function across those different entities. So that's are the, I would say, the three biggest reasons you see as the starting board of the treasury transformation exercise. Hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Are only companies of certain size concerned then? Um, because you mentioned companies growing too fast, for instance, or through different mergers and acquisitions. Does it mean we need to reach a certain size before, well, first of all, having a treasury function, obviously, but also having to transform it? Yes and no. Um, I think to mention probably yourself, you need to have a certain size to have a dedicated treasury department. Typically, what we see companies, let's say we're under 1 billion in revenue, they have a treasury, but it's part of the finance function. So it's not a treasury department itself. Um, so there we see it less. Also, companies who are very much domestic focused, who have not a lot of international business, there's normally less focus on treasury. But then above that, is there a certain size limit to doing credit transformation? No. The only thing is, the bigger the company, the bigger the treasury function, and the more difficult it is to fully transform it. That's it. Typically, if you have company, let's say between the one and 10 billion, it is possible to think, to look at all the different areas within values, financial risk management, cash and liquidity systems, and, and really make up a plan over a four or five year period to really enhance that function, to really bring it to the next level. That's something you can do. If you go to very big companies, it's not always possible to do everything at the same time, I would say. There you're going to more work in silos. You're going to maybe a few years focus on test liquidity, another couple of years of financial risk management. Because of the size in the company, it's more, it takes more time to move it. Um, so there typically we see closure being more focused, while if you have entities which are groups or which are still growing, which are not gigantic yet, I would say, there's more room to do more things in parallel. That's been what we see. Super clear, Kevin. Makes a lot of sense. So um, when a company does decide that they need a treasury transformation, uh, what are sort of the main objectives that they're, um, they would set out to achieve when they start that journey? So I'm assuming that's like a really important part of getting started. 
Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say there's, there's one common objective across all of them. Uh, there's a couple of ones who always come back. I would say, first of all, control and visibility. Visibility mostly on cash. It's a bit surprising, but there's still a lot of even big companies out there who cannot say on a certain day how much cash they have on local accounts if they, they don't have their daily visibility. They often only have the visibility delayed by an accounting process, which typically only has been done once per month. So getting visibility on the cash is often a big factor. Also control uh, over the cash on how it's being used, where cash is leaving the company. But also visibility on the type of instruments that they're using. Often when you have a decentralized treasury function and everybody is actually allowed to directly talk to their banks, enter into derivatives, enter into loans, there is a bit of a lack of a standard of visibility. Also no visibility a lot on the, on the, I would say the financial risks and that they actually don't know what that exposure is to a change in euro dollar in, for example, that they cannot directly answer if it goes up by 10%, what is my exposure? So I would say control and visibility is one that, that, that often comes back. The second one is, I would say, automation. And that's actually a bit coming back to the fact that Treasury is a supporting function. So it always has a bit of difficulties to get internal budgets for uh, that function. So typically Treasury needs to be very efficient with the funds they have. They have limited people. Um, so often they have, they want to automate as much as possible the recurring, uh, tasks, repetitive tasks. So there are also a lot of these projects around automation. So again, they have the time available to more talk to the business, give their advice to really provide uh, value. And then the last one often as well is sales. Does they have limited budgets on all of the projects we also have is around basically helping them to reduce uh, cost. So that's a bit, it's, it's not a fit for all, but it's a bit the most fun ones uh, we see. You spend a lot of time there on visibility, specifically like, especially cash visibility. Why, why is that so important for treasurers? Especially now, I would say with rising interest rates, the ability to, first of all, have visibility and access to your cash has become more important. Because what we see quite often is that companies are at the same time going outside to the markets to borrow money while they have cash sitting on local accounts, which they're not aware of, which of course is direct opportunity cost being lost. So by first of all, having the disability, they cannot, they know where it is, they can centralize, they can use it the most efficient way and they can avoid either unnecessary borrowing cost. Or if they don't directly need the money, they can invest it in a more efficient way than often is being invested locally. Super clear. That makes a lot of sense. So having that visibility sort of presents uh, other opportunities that maybe they haven't seen or considered up until that point. Makes a lot of sense. And I guess all the transformations that you do, Kevin, is your clients or your customers are coming to you to try and build what is for them a best-in-class treasury system, right? So by your uh, definition, what is a best-in-class uh, treasury department? What? So what we do at, um, at BNC is every three years, we have uh, a survey where we basically reach out to 
around two to 300 companies that treasure us and see the post. And actually one of the questions we always ask is, especially with CFOs, is what do we expect to get treasury problems? And what we have seen in the last survey, which was two years ago, because we're actually for the moment doing a new survey, was that all the focus was being put on business partnering. That's with what I mentioned already in the beginning, that they, a lot of the CFOs, a lot of the business units, expect the Jesse department to share the knowledge and experience to help them create value. So again, giving uh, talking to them, for example, about foreign exchange risk, how they can mitigate it, what strategies they can do. Because often people directly go to, I would say, financial practice, so using products offered by a bank. But often, just by changing certain things in your operations, you can already reduce the risk. Right? For example, instead of selling your uh, products in foreign currency, sell it in your own currency, or align the currency which you buy in raw materials, and with the currency which you sell your products. So this is kind of advice that people on the ground are not always aware of because they, they have other priorities. And that's where Treasury can, can really play it all. So really being there to talk to the business, to help provide volume, to give them access to liquidity, to, to mitigate the risks. That's for me, the core function of the Treasury. And therefore, what I would say is a best-in-class Treasury. And again, the definition will be different for, for if you ask somebody else, of course. For me, one who has been able to automate a lot of their day-to-day operations. So they have the time available to really provide value to the business, to talk to them, to help them with their needs, provide really that added value which a treasury department should be. Okay, and in order to do so, you probably need to get rid of those manual and repetitive tasks that you mentioned earlier, right? The more you automate, the more visibility you have, the faster it is to make your decisions, and therefore you can support the business uh, further. Just uh, out of curiosity, how, how does that translate into actual action? So you mentioned the, the foreign exchange risk aspect that you can advise on literally uh, to your business units and business partners. What else is out there? Like how can you take actual actions as a treasury department to help the business since it is one of the biggest priorities for the CFOs? Yeah. One of the items the last couple of years, which we actually did quite some projects on, was a lot of ask on is around payments uh systems the last couple of years the attempts of payment fraud have increased a lot and uh, it's, it's it's sending fake invoices uh sending uh we even heard about whatsapp messages saying uh i'm the cfo i need an urgent payment the attempts of fraud are, are increasing a lot what we have helped our clients with is setting up i would say central payment infrastructures and uh via to reach all the internal uh, payment systems are linked and which are basically the one channel towards the bank. What is the big benefit of this? Uh, first of all, we allow state to processing. So from creating the payment in the ERP up to the bank, there's no manual intervention required anymore. Right where before they were either manually downloading a file, manually uploading a file, or manually typing in a payment, which of course increases bullets that is called human error finger that you dismiss tighter or even payment fraud it's repeatedly have people who have with bad intentions also by all going to one system it gives central visibility and it also allows us to put tools on top who can identify payments which are a bit out of the ordinary which are a higher risk of fraud i would say and that's way it reduces the risks 
Um, so that's also one, basically it's an investment in technology, but if you can catch or avoid one throbs attempt, it pays back itself. Um, and also the other way back, uh, by implementing the central connectivity tool with the bank, we also have the possibility to basically get bank statements in an electronic format in a structured format, which we can upload in the local accounting systems. And in that way, automate the daily reconciliation of the bank statements. Something which was before then a very manual task, a bit repetitive, not that much value adds. But again, by automating this task, those people who have been doing this before are more available to support on other items. So that's also something where we see Prezi starting to play a bigger and bigger role in setting up decentralized uh, payments uh, systems for both getting visibility, getting control about your outgoing flows, but also to automate the reconciliation aspect going back. No, very clear. So it seems like the fraud is really like on the rise. Uh, Kevin, it's, it's interesting that that's like, uh, that's an interesting area that seems to be coming up quite a lot. And when you come in and do these transformations, Kevin, um, do you just rip out the entire treasury department and put a new one in or like <laughs> the entire like TMS? Like, is it like all or nothing? Or do you sometimes just come in and say, okay, Hey, look, overall, this looks okay. Or this is so flimsy we don't want to touch it uh but this part here you know could have a good good impact on your business like when you come in how much of a how much open heart surgery it is and how much is it like keel surgery <laughs> it's a good question and then all friends do we but all the bark and they change it all no locally i've never came across with personally sent where that was actually required Typically, what we do is at the start, we look at, we talk to the people basically. We have interviews with, with our, all stakeholders. We understand from them how did they work today? What do they think is going well? What do they think is not going well? Um, and we basically put that all together to come up with a list of things which they themselves either think that needs to be improved or where we say, okay, compared to what your other companies are doing, potentially here you can improve. And then again, we think about all, if we look at all of these things you should be working on, what is the effort to either solve the issue? What is the benefit of doing it? If the benefits are low, the effort is big. Basically, we, we, we don't spend time on it. If the effort is small and the return is big, we prioritize it. That's the things we want to work on first. If the effort is reasonable, let's say, with big returns, then we start thinking about, okay, how can we do this in, first of all, efficient way, and how can we plan this over a longer time? What you need to know is that most treasury departments, they don't have a lot of people. I'm still looking for the first treasury who's going to tell me I have too many people. Everybody says to me they have not enough people. So whenever we come in, whenever we do these projects, there is also, of course, additional work to the people in the department. But they need to combine this with the day-to-day -day tasks. So the speed and the amount of changes we can do is also dependent on the, the people at the company. So it's always a, a bit of working together to find out, okay, where do you want to put the emphasis? Where does it make sense? And over which tagline is honestly realistic to do this. Because obviously these type of projects are, are long-term. I need to make sure that, that the team can, can handle it over a longer period. And actually, talking about tre treasury tasks, sorry, that are transformed. So 
You mentioned earlier visibility on cash, um, quickly touched upon payment systems and the fraud uh, implications. What is actually transformed? And here I'm thinking, well, if there is some fraud we want to avoid, maybe it's a different governance that we need to make to put in place or processes. Uh, Technology-wise, we touched upon the payment systems. Is there anything else? And one that we that is particularly close to our hearts, um, since we did an episode with uh, with Mike Richards about people and the treasury is a people business is one of his quotes. How does does it all link together? Because when you change and you bring so many yeah changes to a treasury department, people are impacted, right, for the better or for the worse. How does it all um, intersect here? Absolutely. And like you mentioned, a treasury transformation has an impact on the people. So one aspect, which is often underestimated, but actually requires a lot of effort, is change margins. People as a nature, they actually don't really like change. They like, a lot of people like the, the status quo, I would say. So often, it depends from company to company, of course, often we have the buy-in of, let's say, more the group level, but we spend quite some time to convince and to explain to people uh, in the in the regions or in the business units and what the benefits are for certain for certain things and once we're able to explain that they're, they're often bought in and that they're very supportive but it's an angle and something which is not to be underestimated as say the change management aspect of these types of projects it, 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 you need to really make sure you spend enough time to talk to people understanding their concerns make sure you take their concerns into account because if people don't support the transformation, it's not going to happen. It needs to be really people need to understand what it is. On the people angle itself, um, often there is also a bit of a misunderstanding when we, we say about transformation, when we say potentially about automating tasks, cost savings. Often it gets the connotation that people start to worry about their job. Say, oh, they're going to automate my, my job. We need to, I heard we need to save cost. Until now, sure maybe can change the future. Until now, whenever we have done a transformation, if you look at the, the, the size of the team at the start versus the size of the team at the end, it has always increased because we actually often, as part of the transformation, bring more tasks which are being done locally by the people who spend 10% of their time on it. They were actually maybe not really fully understanding it. We were all putting it together, so we had, and we have a full-time equivalent working on it. So we actually typically we bring more tasks, and local people are happy because they were typically doing these kind of things on top of their day-to-day job, and they now actually have more time to really focus on the paint themselves. So often, there's a, a, a lot of talk, talking about it as well because people are a bit afraid, but until now, it only had increased the number of people crazy. And I guess change management, not only for treasury um, related activities, people, right? Also, and as we know, treasury is never very far from tax and legal. And you also have finance people who are performing those tasks. So it's not only changing and change management towards treasury people, but also others. Super clear, Kevin. And maybe to, to just link back to the previous one. So what do you transform then on top of payment systems and getting better visibility on cash? Can we can we put treasury tasks or treasury related activities that are changed by such a transformation project? Yeah, but again, there is no transformation project which is the same, so they're always a bit different. It, 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 
really depends on what the objectives are of the company. But typically when we more look at the treasury management systems or when we help them to select, implement or enhance the current systems, it touches every single aspect of, of treasury because they use them for the day-to-day operations. So it's around their affix hedging, it's about looking into company loans, external loans, investments, in-house banking, all the topics which I, I think you all covered in your previous podcast, but all the aspects of Treasury can potentially be, be touched. And it's, it's Treasury transformation can can touch one of them or can touch them all. It really depends on where the company is, where it want, wants to go, um, and where it, it feels it should be invested into. Super clear, Kevin. And I guess those like timelines for each of those is different, right? Earlier you mentioned you're thinking long term. How, how long does a what's the shortest treasury transformation project you've done, and the longest, and like let's say the median? It's, yeah, it's a good question. Typically, it's multi-year projects, and the base to go really depends on the company and the team. Some companies have, I would say, the luck or the luxury, I would say, that you can have internal project managers who really can focus on this and only focus on the day-to-day task. And then you can move fast. You have somebody on the client side who really can help to push things through, talk to the various stakeholders, to convince the various stakeholders about this need, and then you can go fast. Often, a lot of treasury centers don't have that uh, luxury and the internal project manager needs to combine this with the day-to-day task, and that takes a bit longer. If you want to talk in real periods, I would say it can go from anywhere between one year to five years or, or even longer, depending on the change you want to cut through. But you have all the things in between. And it's also very important to understand there are, I would say, peaks and, and easier periods we don't put in such projects. If you have a project of five years, it is impossible to really uh, go full speed for five years with peaks and downs. It's also very important whenever you do a transformation projects, then you have some kind of an interim milestones, I would say, that it doesn't take five years to, to accomplish the objective. But you already have every few months, I don't know, a certain country going live on the new bank, uh, a certain region going live on the new payment system, uh, a certain entity being set on the treasury management. So that people see the progress and that you gradually build up the new function itself. That's interesting. I mean, you, you kind of went straight to the fact that things take longer than others because of engagement. Yeah. Out of it, like, usually, like, my experience, project management, it's like lead time of technology or development or something like this, which takes the longest time. But you're saying that is actually like the engagement of stakeholders, engagement of the client, customer side that's actually doing the transformation. Is that because? They have their own busy sale periods and they can't afford to do a transformation at a certain time because it's just too busy or it'll touch too many systems or is it really just, you know, it's not typically a priority for these kind of companies, even though they want it? No, the, the, I would say for the treasury department, it is typically a priority, although they also still need to be able to combine it with their day-to-day operations, the business needs to run. Uh, whenever they want to do a big acquisition, for example, and a bond needs to be issued that takes time, and the maybe treasury transformation project then takes a bit of less time. Where a lot of 
uh, time is spent is the alignment with other stakeholders. Whenever you want to change something to the creativity structure, there's a tax angle to it. So we need to get the time of tax, which also involved in a lot of different projects. We need to get that time involved. Whenever you want to do uh, set something up at a bank or you want to either or, or with another uh, third party consultant or with a, with a vendor, that's legal contracts that need to be reviewed. Same legal departments, they're often not overly staffed. So also there, you need to get some time with them and you need to be able to align with other projects within other departments. Uh, also IT, uh, whenever you work on systems, there's some support required from IT departments there as well. They're often involved in multiple projects. So we also need to make sure that we in front of them enough time up front that they make the time available for us. Although over the last couple of years, I think there's been very positive developments in the creating system space, making it less impactful, I would say, in the internal IT department, but still, we need them. So making sure we get the time of the different stakeholders, the terms, the, the base, and also the internal staffing at the treasury department, just to make sure that they can combine this again with the day-to-day -day tasks. Kevin, for the, for the five years projects uh, and more, how long does it take before you need to do another transformation? Because the one you just did became, I mean, not obsolete, but I think there is a stat saying that like the, the power of computers or transistors doubles every two years. If treasury transformation project can take that long, how long does it take before? Yeah, you can actually do another transformation. Is that not a, a concern? It's a good point, man. I can tell you, you don't want to do this every five years. <laughs> uh, um, so, if you start, when you start thinking about objectives, like what I really want to accomplish as part of this project, you think more longer term. So, if you know about certain changes in the regulations coming up, uh, and you already anticipate that, you already take that into account. And also important, what we always advise our clients is to build structures which are scalable and flexible. A lot of our clients, they, they do acquisitions, they do dispositions to build a structure in such a way that's easy to integrate a new company or to even dispose of a new company. So we really try to build a structure which works for the long term, but which is also flexible to adapt to changes which can happen over the time. And to focus on the little point you mentioned there about processing power uh, doubling every two years, a big trend we have seen in the market when it comes to treasury systems and um, over the last couple of years is what we call SaaS solutions, software as a service solutions. What is unique to those kind of solutions is that basically it's one product which is offered to all clients. Before you had, you bought a product, you were able to fully customize it to your own needs, but afterwards you had to maintain it yourself. You have to upgrade every couple of years. With these SaaS solutions, they are you can have less speed of them, but as a as a benefit, they're being upgraded automatically, some even every month, some every six months. So whenever you implement this technology, it's actually being upgraded for you. And these are also the kind of advice we give to our clients. If you have a small treasury department, if you don't have very all of the ordinary requirements, go for these types of solutions. Because in the long run, it you you benefit from these automatic updates, and we don't need these big internal IT departments to maintain those applications. So it's also think about the longer term needs, think about the company, and what 
makes more sense for that. Super clear. I know Guillaume, and he's going to want to go straight into the technical nitty gritties of these transformations in a second. So as we typically do, but before we do, is there anything else you want to touch on in terms of the why a company would want to do like a, a transformation or the objectives you should set out beforehand or the experience overall before we dive into the technicalities? I would say when you talk about the objectives, when starting with such a project, I think the first thing you should think about is what do I want to get out of this? Do I want to get global cash visibility? Do I want to have a treasury organization, which is agile? Do I want to increase automation? Just really think of what you want to get out of it. And throughout projects, make sure that at certain moment in time, you look again at these objectives and to make sure you're still on track to meet those objectives that you don't get sidetracked. That would be always my advice to always have a very clear view of what I want to accomplish. And at certain moment in time, all take step back and make sure that what you're doing and is still there to uh, meet that objective. When I first started in consulting, there was a term that kept on coming uh, that I had a bit of difficulties uh, wrapping my head around, which is a TOM. And a TOM, uh, the acronym means Target Operating Model. Can you walk us through what that is? Yes, absolutely. So what we mean with the target operating model is basically, it again starts what I already mentioned before with your objectives, really defining what you need. And then typically what we do is per functional area, so cash liquidity, depth and filling, working capital management, financial risk management, really start thinking more, I would say in a process point of view of this, how do you want to accomplish those objectives? Like for example, let's talk about efficiency management. You have as an objective, I want to mitigate my volatility to my, my exposure to a fixed risk. Okay. First step is I need to know what my exposure is. So we define a process of how I'm going to gather actually those exposures. Okay. Second step, how I'm actually going to verify that the data I gathered is of good quality. So it needs to be this kind of review process. So we also start discussing with the clients, with the local stakeholders on how we can best put that in place. Then once we have, let's say, clean exposures, we need to put it all together to look at what the exposures are on a group level, on a business entity level. And then we need to start thinking about a way to mitigate those risks. Do we want to hedge it or a certain operational risks? Also as well, what is the process? How do we bring it all together? Who takes the decision on what to do what? Once the decision is taken on what to do, who, for example, if we say we're going to go for financial strategy, who is going to call the bank? Once the, the deal is being done, how is it going to be put into the system? How is it going to be confirmed? How is it going to be accounted for? How is it going to be settled? All of these type of, I would say, process steps is what we start thinking about, take into account the objectives, and basically we come up with a target operating model, a target way of working in the future, but all of these areas, both the process, and once we have an agreement, I would say on the process, start thinking about the symptoms to support those processes. And once we have a view on the systems and the processes, we start thinking about the people aspect. So basically, who do we need to actually do these processes? execute these processes, what are the capabilities we need, how many of these people we need. So that's where we bring the process system and people together. And if you put it all together, that's what we call a target operating model. 
I would have loved to have these extracts uh, when I started, but perfect. Thanks a lot, Kevin. We just touched upon how could we do that for foreign exchange risk management, for instance. And just for this one, you've enumerated quite a list of steps. What is a transformation roadmap? How, why is it important and how do you make sure that all those steps that you are transforming, so it's not only, okay, making sure who does what and how, but also how are we going to properly implement this? What are the critical steps of the process? Why is that important and how much of importance should you put on deadlines, for instance, in, in a target operating model and the whole transformation project? Yeah. So to address your first question, why is it important to think about a roadmap? Very simply, you cannot do it all at once. So you really need to think about what are the different types of projects at an enterprise that need to be done. And then typically start thinking about what are the ones who are going to bring the most value. Because those are the ones you typically want to do support. But you also need to think about the sequencing. One typical example we have there is, say the decision has been taken that we want to put in place a central payments. Now, the effort put in place a payment system is one-to-one -one related to the number of bank you need to set up on the payment system. If you have today a hundred different banking partners, setting up a, a payment system is going to be a huge amount of work. It's going to take multiple years. So then typically they advise the clients, look, before starting actually the implementation of the system, start looking at your banking landscape and maybe look at ways to reduce your number of banking partners. So then typically we do first the reduction of the bank departments and then we only go into the payment system just to make it more efficient so that the overall effort is less. And that's always what we think about when making these roadmaps. What is the most smart way to sequence it? Also, often what happens is they're implementing a new ERP system. Okay, you don't want to link your uh, payment factory to a system which is going to be replaced in six months. So also there, we always look at what other projects are going on within the company. What is the impact on the treasury department to make sure that we sequence it in such a way that the overall effort is minimized while the benefits are being maximized and the things which are creating the most benefits are being done first. All right. So how does these treasury transformations affect the rest of the company. So I guess when you come in, because treasury, you said is a support function, right? Any changes and transformations that happen in the treasury department will have impacts in other departments, right? IT, legal, tax. So you need to be playing with all of those as well as you're doing your transformation and gathering the needs from them and the, let's say, the gives and the gets, right? How big of an impact does that end up happening typically? Well, it depends on the type of project you're doing. So Whenever there is a, a system angle to it, you need the support of the underlying team. Luckily, as I mentioned before, a lot of the newer treasury systems out there are uh, what we call uh, SaaS products or software as a service where the internal IT man, uh, maintenance is actually minimized and mostly outsourced to, to the vendor itself. But you still need the internal IT people to, first of all, build the interface with all the applications within the company. So if you want to build an interface between your treasury management system and your ERP, you need the help of an IT. Or very simple, just to make sure they can access the product so that they basically open the firewalls so that they can, you can access those treasury systems. If you, for example, start changing the way 
the funding works for a company. If you change into company loans, make change to cash pooling, that is a tax angle. From the moment you move money cross border, there needs to be a review of tax to make sure you don't have additional tax costs. So there as well, you need tax. Whenever you go into contractual negotiations with third parties, you need legal to support you. So it really depends on what you do, see which stakeholders you, you need to evolve. Also for the business, there's often a big impact. For example, if you want to put in place a test for forecasting uh, module, it only works whenever the data that being brought into the test for forecasting is accurate. And therefore we need people on the ground to really tell us, hey, these are the things I sold already. These are the things I, I need to buy in the future to really have an impact. So there's also a business angle that potentially sometimes you need more. But they, as long as they see the benefits, we can really convince them of that. I guess like the ERP is like the, the biggest of them all, I guess, right? Where you're, if you're touching the ERP, that's touching all the departments inside the company. And I guess your TMS is linked to that and then all the data that flows throughout it, right? So do sometimes companies have multiple ERPs as well, correct? So how does that bring any additional challenges or anything like that? Or is that the hardest transformation project, the ERP transformation? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. A lot of our clients have grown via acquisition. So they have an additive the ERP system of the companies that they've bought over, they're merged with. So at the end, they are there with, with a, let's say, a multitude of ERP system, which creates challenges for them. First of all, when it comes to, to payments, because they have different internal systems generating payments, they're all in a different format. So it's difficult to set up, let's say, one connection with the external world. There we again can come in to help to, to set up systems being shifted between those internal ERP systems and the external banks who basically harmonize the files coming out of this payment system into one common format, which is accepted by the bank. All the way around as well, when the bank statement comes in, you can help set up systems basically that one standard format adapted to what local ERPs expect. So that's a challenge when you have multiple ERC systems. Also, ERPs, at the very basis of it, the basic functionality, it is an accounting system. It's basically, it helps them to book all of their day-to-day -day transactions. Uh, there as well, if you have different ERP systems, it's going to have an impact on making your, your financial reporting on a group level. But also for the treasury transactions, typically the treasury management system does the accounting for all treasury transactions. If that needs to be booked in multiple ERP system that overcase things, because we basically need to generate files in different formats, depending on the needs of the local ERP. So more ERPs for sure adds additional complexity, but I would say there's solutions to it in terms of technology. Super clear. And then are those the main challenges you'd say in, in an overall transformation like this, or are there typically like red flags you see when you first come in to a transformation project that goes, okay, this is going to be extra difficult. Yeah. And again, it depends from, um, from company to company. I'm not sure to call it the biggest talent, but the thing which is underestimated quite a lot is uh, we already touched upon it as a change management angle. Um, it is you're working with people and we, it's had what we do has an impact on their day-to-day -day operations. So we need to spend quite some time to explain them the benefits, to listen to them, to listen to their needs, to really 
give them the comfort that what we're doing here is actually going to benefit them uh, in the long term. There, what I think makes it more complex, if I look at different clients I've worked for, companies which are more decentralized, I would say, where there's more locally, they have more decision power, they can determine their own way of working. It is typically a bit more difficult to do a global group-wide asset transformation project because they're not used to basically being aligned to one standard way of work. So typically when there is already a centralization done before, it goes faster. But as well, we have already done a lot of projects, but as part of the, the transitive transformation, a lot of things have been centralized. So it is possible, but it takes a bit more time because you need to spend more time on change management. Would you say that people management or maybe more stakeholder management is then a, a critical skill to have in those type of transformations? Absolutely. Yes. What are the what are the other skills that are required? Well, we talked about treasury roadmap and project management, obviously. What are the other main skills that are required when it comes to such endeavor? Yeah, my Project management, like we mentioned itself, but don't think it's to be underestimated. We typically work with a lot of different stakeholders. So we need to make sure that the different stakeholders are aligned. There's also typically multiple, let's say, sub-projects being done. Every sub-project is its own dedicated team, but it's still important to have what we call a program manager, somebody who looks across different projects to make sure that they're still aligned. Make sure that actions which are being determined are also being followed up and taken care of. So the project management angle is for sure important. And I would say also the technical skills. Basically, the, the benefit of hiring an external consultant is that we have done this before. We know what the pitfalls are and we have the lessons learned. We have the tools available to accelerate certain things because we have done it before. So we can, we can use certain things, but we need those technical skills to really point out to, to anticipate certain roadblocks that's also quite important in these kind of projects. Mm. Following on this and also coming back to one of your initial points, which was savings. Um, we usually ask with Sam, uh, a question we love is, uh, what does success lo look like in whatever is the topic we are talking about? So here, delivering on time, I think we touched upon it. Um, achieving the qualitative benefits that you mentioned earlier, what are we aiming for and make sure we achieve this? What about the quantitative benefits and linking with the consultants that you just mentioned as well for the technical skills aspects? Do those projects need to auto-finance themselves in the first place? Do they need to bring additional savings that make it worth not only doing it, but okay, on the long term, it will also bring us money? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Again, it's, it's not for every client to save, but as I already mentioned before, Unfortunately, most treasury departments don't have big budgets because they're being considered a support function. They're not, for example, getting as big budget as an R&D department, for example, is really having a direct impact. So we're always at certain limits. And that's why it's always what we propose and what we highly recommend is that when at the start of these kind of projects, whenever you build the roadmap, that together with the roadmap, you also build a business case change. So that you basically over a multi-year period identify both what are going to be the costs to implement this, but what are going to be the savings as well. And typically what we see until now for every single project, you have one 
maybe two years of investment. But after two years, typically the business case started becoming positive. And after a few years, you basically, the project have been finalized, the costs have been done, but you have really, really good in savings. So typically these kind of projects have very high in return rates because there's really recurring savings. And once the systems are being set up to operate them, to maintain them, that the cost is limited, but savings keep on recurring year after year. So for all of these projects, there's a, there's a positive business case, which often is not driven, I would say, by redesigning their banking structure, by giving them access to the liquidity, reducing borrowing costs, but also reducing the number of banking partners, reducing the number of bank accounts, all things which cost money. Also by reducing the time spend on metal tasks that just reduces fees as well. So often these kind of things that often until now always they have had a positive business case. Super clear. Kevin, how about we, so once that we have covered all the theoretical aspects in the podcast, we like to illustrate what we've just talked about with a, with an example, with a, with a use case. Can you walk us through a transformation project that you have led? And by this, I mean, give us a little bit of context. Uh, why did uh, that transformation start in the first place? What were you aiming at achieving? Um, what was the size of the company, the length of the project and the main challenges you faced? And did you achieve what you wanted to achieve? Of course. <laughs> yeah, sure. So the clients I would uh, like to talk about is actually a Belgian company. And uh, they approached us a few years ago, initially with the ask that they had quite a lot of internal payment systems being used by the local entities to, to execute payments. But they actually had no central visibility on, first of all, cash in the local accounts, neither where actually cash was uh, leading the company. So they came to us to ask for our advice on what we potentially could do to help them to get central visibility and control over the cash. Um, now, when we started to talk to them, uh, when they were starting to explain to us how they were running their day-to-day -day operations, we started to see that there may be an, an opportunity wider than only payments uh, there. So in the first phase, we actually did the um, analysis. Um, so we basically we took some time to understand how electricity operations were running today. And it became quite quickly clear that they were running on a very old TMS system, which they were actually only using with a very small part of their day-to-day -day operations. The biggest part of their day-to-day operations were actually being done manually in Excel, which was very time-consuming for them. So very quickly, we helped them to build the roadmap for the longer term. We helped them to build a business case. And basically, as part of the, the roadmap execution, we helped them with a the, couple of things. The first focus was on selecting and implementing a new treasury management system. So we have helped them in doing that. Now, the full, all the treasury operations are being handled into one system. We have central visibility of all instruments in that system. We also helped them to automate the accounting. Before, it was a purely manual process. Now it's fully automated. So that was for us the first focus. And there, that was also important for them because I met them actually a few months ago. They have gone through a very rapid growth over the last couple of years. And they basically said, if you would have needed to accomplish that growth or meet at the desk we were doing a few years ago with the size of the company today, it would have been impossible that could so that new infrastructure really helped them to 
cope with the additional volume. Then second of all, it was more on the payment side. We helped them to implement a centralized payment system. So now all of that internal ERP systems are being linked to one central payment platform, which is connected via one path to the external banks. So before there were many typing in their, their payments, now it's all being split through, no touch. And what we have done with them as well, which is a bit particular, we have linked that central payment system to what we call a sanctions screening tool. Uh, what does that tool do? Before any payment leaves the door, which goes to the bank, it's basically being sent to that tool. And the tool is checking that the beneficiary the time to make a payment to is not on any sanctions. It's a quite hot topic for the moment because as part of the ukraine Russian war, there are more and more sanctions. These sanctions are changing every single day, so it can always happen that sort of supply you're working for from one day to the other comes on a sanction before you, uh, without you being aware of it. By using this external tool, which always is updated with the latest sanctions list, they avoid it with inevitable payments to the sanction part. Um, so that was quite important for them as well. And it was only possible because we have now routed all payments to the full group via that one tool. So that's something we have done for them. Now, before we actually started with the roll-up payment system, they had a lot of different banking partners. So we also helped them to basically reduce the banking partners by taking initially around 80 different banking partners to 50 on five. So that tremendously helped in accelerating the rollout of the payment factory. And also we helped them to reduce the number of bank accounts. We were able to close over 60% of all bank accounts by doing basically two things. First of all, challenging the use of the different accounts they have today. We noticed that they had multiple accounts for the same purpose. So basically, we closed a lot of these accounts. And we also set up payments on behalf of for all foreign currency payments. So basically, now the central treasury entity is doing those payments on behalf of the local business units. As a consequence, we were able to close all of these foreign currency accounts locally. And then last of all, due to the type of the company, they also have a very big trade finance portfolio, a lot of bank guarantees. Um, before it was very decentralized, was handled by the local business units, especially on the receiving side, the ones they from their own suppliers. We have helped them to put in place a central process so that basically they have a central view of all Incoming guarantees. They have a central platform by which they manage that. Also, for the outgoing guarantees, the ones they issue themselves, we have set up a tool that they have, first of all, central visibility, and they also are being notified about when certain access need to be taken automatically uh, so they don't forget to take things. So, it's a bit of a nutshell what we have done for them. For them, the objectives were really, I would say, more one which was really about having visibility, control about outgoing cash, automating certain tasks, uh, because they have a very limited treasury team uh, to go with with the uh, expansion of the company. Nevertheless, even while the focus was on the qualitative benefits, when we were making the business case, it's still a very positive business case in the sense of the payback term on the project was less than three years. So has been a big effort for them, but it's both helping them from qualitative, but also a cost savings. 
me, that's a main link between the payment system and uh, the fact that you need to connect it to every single bank um, earlier in the in the episodes. It's it's interesting to see that okay, we're gonna transform the payment system and the payment landscape, and we're gonna have to connect it to all the banks. Oh well, we might as well just rationalize the banking landscape then, and it's imbricates into each other like the transformation projects speak to each other. There is interactions there. Super interesting. For these specific clients, I, I guess we are we are more in the five years uh, roadmap than in the one year one, right? Or how, how long did it take? From the initial discussions until, let's say, accomplishing all of the objectives, I think it was four years. Now, I would say the first year was really focused on implementing the new judging management system. Year two and three, I would say, of rolling out the payment factory. And the fourth year was onboarding some smaller entities, with already more at the end, and more the trade finance part. So, as already mentioned before, it's not we do everything at the same time. It's in different phases. And here, it was over 40 billion, but not every single bruising itself didn't work yet. And in terms of main challenges, did you did you find the famous change management and uh, stakeholder management, or what were the, the main challenges you faced on this one? The famous, yes. I need to say for this client that uh, it's a super nice client. Yeah, <laughs> need to need to admit at the group level that they're very supportive. They're always uh, they always help to push everything along. Now it is a bit of a decentralized group, so we always have indeed these conversations with the local people to convince them why we should be doing this this uh, way of working. But uh, in the end, it went, went quite smooth, and that is why. Why is that? Because we also had a good sponsor, I would say, on the client side, who really helped us to navigate through the organization, who really helped to explain also to the local uh, people why this is important, uh, which is a tremendous uh, help for us, of course. Awesome, Kevin. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't touched on about transforming treasury departments? Yeah, but one thing, um, maybe it's, um, I always say it's a, it's a team effort. Um, you cannot do this alone. A lot of companies do the risk of transformation projects alone. Other companies involve consultants. Um, I think the benefit of involving a consultant is really can be, first of all, an extra pair of hands because we don't have the day-to-day operations we can help. We can bring in the expertise. But then that's maybe talking a bit against my own shop. We cannot do it alone. So it's always a team effort. Uh, we always involve the clients. We always make sure that we have a dedicated person on the client side also helping us. That is what you need, I think. Sometimes I see in certain companies, consultants coming in, they do whatever they think. It's a fast moving train. Uh, the client cannot follow. Always, we always want to try to work together with the client to find a pace which works for them to make sure we focus on the right priorities and make sure that we commonly achieve the objectives together, which I think is important to also take into account when you think about planning a treasure transformation project is to make sure that uh, you find a, a way to combine it with all the other things going on that are It always comes back down to the people, right? That's uh, And it seems to be a common theme whenever we chat to anyone. And for sure. Kevin, thank you so much. Super, super insightful. Um, if people want to reach out to you or PwC Treasury Belgium, where should they go to find out more? 
We have a website, so there you can always find a bit of extra information, kwc.be. If you want to get in touch with myself, I think you can uh, potentially post my email address in the comments. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So always, if anybody wants to get in touch, feel free to send me a note. Always happy to uh, to have a quick chat uh, or to listen about any things you want to talk about. Very cool. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin.